I'm Shelley Tonkin Smith, and you're listening to Two Booked Up. This is episode 26, where we're going to be talking about how you can become a better procrastinator. As always, I'm joined by the insightful and delightful Rowena Mabbitts. Hello, Rowena. <laughs> Hello, Shelley. It's great to be talking books again and taking a deeper dive into Oliver Berkman's book, 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals. And this is one of those conversations where our book really ignites a whole other conversation because I believe you've come up with your own, what shall we call it, standard operating procedure for when we find ourselves procrastinating. Oh, yes, Ro, this chapter really got my creative juices flowing as I dove deeper into it. And I'm so excited to share the seven-step process that I sort of came up with as I was reading through the chapter. Oh, yes, I like that idea of a standard operating procedure that you can follow to procrastinate better. Because Oliver Berkman drops this truth bomb that we all procrastinate, even the most organized among us. And that the trick to managing our 4,000 weeks is not to fight against that procrastination, but to procrastinate better. So if you want to know how to become a better procrastinator, then stay tuned. Sounds fabulous. Now, before we procrastinate, let's get on with the show. This is the Two Booked Up podcast, where we talk about books books that are challenging us to live more intentional lives. The books that are equipping us on our business and professional journeys. And the books that delight and bring us joy. So if you want to live life with more intention, and if you want to be doing work that brings you joy, then come and join the bookish conversation with me, Shelley Tonkin-Smith. And me, Rowena Mabbitt, here on To Booked Up. Okay, so procrastination is bad, right? Well, not exactly. According to Oliver Berkman in 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals, we all procrastinate because we have to. We simply can't redline it all the time because if we do, we're going to burn out. So instead of trying to stop procrastinating and trying to resist against procrastinating, what Oliver says is that we need to become better procrastinators. So I'm curious, was this a surprising idea for you, Ro, when you read the book? Yeah. Now, Shelley, like a lot of concepts in this book, this idea is actually really counterintuitive. But once I started reading the chapter, I realized that his argument was that we need to procrastinate with intention. So at that point, of course, he had my attention because as you know, Shelley, I am all about doing things with intention. And I've seen many of my clients, and I have to say myself too, struggle with procrastination. So this chapter, those reading along at home, it's chapter four, was actually really intriguing to me. So I still think we need to be careful about some of the negative effects of procrastination, like when we leave genuinely important tasks to the last minute, or when we put up our own big dreams and goals because we get so busy doing working through the to-do list and we forget about the big picture stuff. And that kind of procrastination really does not serve us. 
So therefore, I'm really interested, Shelley, to learn about how you suggest we can become better procrastinators. And I'm thinking particularly here in the realm of business. For those of us who have our own businesses or for those of us trying to use procrastination more strategically in our businesses or in our careers. Okay, so I went down a bit of a rabbit hole here, Ro, and I've distilled the research and findings that Oliver has presented in Chapter 4 into this process that we can all run through if we find ourselves procrastinating. So here it is. Step 1 is to recognize. Step 2 is to recenter. Then step three is remove the tasks that don't matter. So some of them you're going to remove, but some of them you're going to want to go, I just can't do it now. So I need to record it. So that was step four, record. Then in step five, you're going to be in a position to ram in the tasks that matter. Step six then is to repeat with relish. And then the final step is to go and reflect on this whole process. And you can then go and repeat the whole cycle again by going, oh, wait, I might be procrastinating about something else now. So in that reflection part, you kind of then bring it back full circle. Now, just to say, if you want a summary of what we've discussed in today's episode, I've got a nice little PDF download of these seven steps together with a blog post on ShellyTonkinsmith.com. Go and have a look in the show notes and you'll be able to access that. Shelly, I love that. That is a super helpful framework. And of course, you know, I am rather partial to an alliterative list. <laughs> I also really like that you've started the process with recognizing when you're procrastinating because self-awareness is super important. So can you tell us a bit more about this first step and how we can recognize when we're procrastinating? All right. So procrastination can be sneaky, particularly because there are a lot of emotions tied up in this behavior. And in fact, just yesterday, I happened to come across an article on a site called Nest Labs called Understanding the Emotions Behind Procrastination. I'm going to link to that in the show notes because the article actually explained that procrastination arises because of this fight between your more ancient limbic system in the brain and the far more advanced prefrontal cortex. So there's a kind of like old ancient survivalist strategies that are that are coming into play here. And I highly recommend the article. Go and have a look at it. But what's, what stood out for me there is also that there can be a lot of shame and feeling ashamed that we are procrastinating. We feel bad that we're procrastinating. So there's this like negative cycle. So I think when you recognize it, you can actually do something about it. But to recognize it, I think it's important to know what procrastination really is. And I've become rather fond now when I'm doing homeschool with my boys is to go and have a look at a definition of a word and also to look at the etymology or the origins of the word. I find it fascinating. So the definition of procrastination is to put off intentionally or habitually. And the dictionary definition also adds that it's putting off something that should be done. Okay, so this is going to be interesting. Who says it should be done? And this is maybe where procrastinating better means bringing some more intention into that should so that you're in charge of the should and it's not the rest of the world that's in charge of the should. Then the etymology or origin of the word comes from Latin. Pro means forward and then crestinus 
means of tomorrow. So like of the future. So you kind of forward in your thing, your task into the future. And I think that is really key in understanding what procrastination is. And maybe also just remove some of the emotion around it. You're just putting it forward into the future. Sometimes that can be done strategically and with intention. And I think here too, it's also just useful to think of the opposite of procrastination. Procrastination involves pushing tasks into the future. So the opposite of that would be something like seizing the day and taking action right now in the present. So procrastination is the future. And then this kind of seize the day, or since we've gone into Latin, I'm going to say carpe diem. Seize the day is something happening in the present. But we need to be careful of that too, because sometimes we're going, boom, let's just make this happen. And all these urgent things get on the top of the to-do list because we're just taking this quick action, but we're not kind of prioritizing first. I agree. And I think it's very interesting, this whole procrastination versus seize the day, because one of the big takeaways that I got from 4,000 weeks was that we need to live more in the present, whereas procrastination is taking us into the future. But then what I'm hearing you say is that this kind of quick action, seize the day kind of approach is not always the way to go either. Yeah, you can't really just go, okay, I'm not going to procrastinate, so I'm going to take quick action because that doesn't help you to do the important stuff. Sorry, we're using the word stuff here a lot, but you get me. It's uh, tasks, activities, demands on your time. You'll just end up taking action on whatever crosses your path, whoever shouts the loudest. So that's why if you're going to procrastinate better, you're going to have to then go to step two of the process, which is our second R, and that is to recenter. And when we recenter, we name what matters. And now this is not something I specifically saw in 4,000 weeks, but it's definitely something that came up in the lazy genius way of naming what matters. And here we can look from big picture to like today. So Name what matters in your life, in the big picture of your life. Um, Name what matters then in aspects of your life. So for your business. So like the big picture for my business, I'll give you an example. What matters to me is that I can run my business in limited hours while I homeschool and parent my kids. Those are two separate jobs that I need to do, but my business needs to fit around that. And if I name what matters in my business in a more of a medium term right now, we're in April, 2023, got a single client that I work for on a retainer basis, which is wonderful, but I still want to balance that off with other revenue streams in my business so that I've still got this holistic business. So for me, it's, it's balancing that and working that into my business model. So like for the medium term, the next kind of three months, that's what matters to me. And then if I look more short term, and this is like now sort of a monthly or weekly kind of priority thing, I've got to keep up with that client that pays me a retainer. We committed to the two booked up podcast that that is important to me. I'm launching a new offer called the One Day Work Party, which kind of speaks to this idea of having other clients while still having my one main client. Um, So I'll tell you more about that in subsequent episodes as I roll that out. 
But as you know, Ro, I have a few other actions and activities planned on my action sheets for April. There's a few things going on, but naming what matters helps me a little bit to manage how much I can do in the future. <laughs> yep. And I know that, Shelley, because I said to you at the beginning of the month uh, that I thought maybe you've got quite a lot of action items on your list for April. And as we've talked about, the Lazy Genius Way, Shelley and I spoke about it in four episodes last year. So go back and listen to those if you really want to know what we're talking about here around why naming what matters is such a big deal. The book Essentialism also covered this concept a bit too. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here and ask you, do you maybe have too many priorities on your list for the short term? And you know I ask this out of love, but I'm also asking it on behalf of myself and our audience because it is a common problem many of us face that we overestimate what we can do in the future and how long it might take us. So what do you think? Do you think maybe you've got a couple too many things on in your short-term priorities right now? Yeah, I do. I do. Putting my hand up here, guilty as charged. I would say that I've got quite a lot on my list But I do feel like actually doing that actions process is very helpful for me to actually get a bit more intentional about things. And what I will also say is that this month is a very business focused month for me. So if you're wondering what we're talking about here, each month, Rowena and I give a broad focus to our months ahead. And then we list out the actions that will get us there. So uh, like last month, March, had more of a personal and self-care and recentering focus for me. So I actually feel quite energized now for a business-focused month. And so there is some intention behind my ambitious plans. And I think I do also have some of those actions are, are like stretch goals and nice to have. But mm, in, We do in, love a stretch goal. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> we frequently put in stretch put goals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least it's recorded, which it will come to yeah. in step four. It, maybe it's um, a form of procrastination, putting our stretch goals down on paper. It is, but intentional. I think it's, yeah. it's procrastinating better. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, after reading this book and, and studying this chapter particularly quite intensely, um, this is where I've been challenged to try and recognize where I'm living in this fantasy world of the future. Because in the future, there's no limits. There's like every possibility. You know, we fantasize the future and we expect that we can do everything. And also, and this is a big factor with procrastination, we expect that we can do it perfectly. So today we couldn't do it perfectly, but like somehow tomorrow it's going to be perfect. I love that fantasy. (laughs) I know it's a fantasy, but I still love that fantasy. (laughs) Yes, but I think, you know, I think we need to go and and read some fantasy novels and that kind of thing. But yeah, you know, I think we can stretch ourselves, but we need to be aware of going, you know, I found myself like writing a to-do list in a day on my Fridays, often when I have the full day to myself, I write myself out a to-do list. It's like 10 you know, 10 items. And then I come, they'll often be on the Saturday and I've only crossed off like three items, but then I add more items on it. So I think that's when we need to just bring ourselves back into the presence. And we're going to talk about a few strategies that can help there. But before we actually apply those strategies, we need to remove some ideas, 
some projects, whatever it is on your to-do list that maybe doesn't even need to be filtered or assessed. So yeah, believe it or not, Ro, before I shared that action sheet with you, I did remove a few things where I just thought, no, it's not a priority. It's not even going to make it onto the list. I know one of those things is doing Instagram, which thankfully you helped me with. We do a collaborative post. So there's some things that just didn't even make it. Uh, And that's actually quite freeing because it's one less thing to procrastinate about. And when you have one less thing to procrastinate about, you have one less thing to feel bad that you didn't get done. Like that's what I feel. And yeah, there was something in the book that I was like, hmm, okay. Oliver warns us against what he calls middling priorities. And these are priorities that are not important enough to be our top priorities, but that have just enough importance to justify taking up our time and maybe taking up more time than we thought they would take. But then what happens is we spend all the time on the middle priorities and we neglect the top priorities. So we do better to really identify those middle middle priorities maybe get a little bit brutal and remove as many as you can so that you are freed up to focus on the top priorities. And yeah, really like when you find yourself procrastinating and you go through this removal process, ask yourself, does this really matter? Is this really important once I've done step two and recentered around what matters and what's important? Does it belong on my list? And it can be tough. I know. Um, I really do know. But sometimes I find I am procrastinating about a task because it's actually not important to me. And so it's just, it, it shouldn't be on my list. And I should rather just put it aside, at least for the present season. But sometimes when you put it on the chopping block and you go, okay, we're going to remove this task, you go, wait. This is really important. It is important. And I am willing to shift other priorities out of the way to make this this task happen or this project happen. And I've recently had this in my business with repackaging my product sales page superhero. I've put it on the chopping block and gone, does this really matter? And I've interrogated it and challenged it. And I've come to the conclusion, yes, this really matters. It aligns with my vision for my business of having a passive income stream and of making the impact that I want to with other mompreneurs, particularly those mompreneurs starting out in business. This product aligns with that. It can help them, I know. So, okay, it's not going to get removed, but launching a new version of Sales Page Superhero is not going to happen in April. I know that. And you know that, Ro. So what now? <laughs> oh, well, I feel like that's the million-dollar question, Shelley. What now indeed? But I also think that many a multi-passionate entrepreneur has been in your shoes. And it does remind me of what Oliver says in the book. And I think he quotes Elizabeth Gilbert when he points out that you're not just going to have to say no to the things you'd rather not do anyway. So you don't have to just say no to the stuff that you're like, yeah, I didn't really want to do that so I can easily say no. What you're actually going to have to do when you do this kind of reprioritizing and removing is you're going to have to say no to some of the things you actually do want to do. And I think here it's a little bit of a FOMO alert, you know, fear of missing out. So there's often a sense, particularly as business owners, that 
if we don't do the things we really want to do, everybody else is going to be doing them and we're going to feel this really genuine upset that we missed out somehow. And that's a really strong motivator for us to keep doing things that actually aren't necessarily the top priorities in our business right now. So how do we handle that? How do we handle those projects or dreams that are genuinely good ideas and that we really want to do, but we simply cannot fit them into our lives in the very near future, or at least for this season of our life? And is there a way or a possibility that removing tasks doesn't have to feel so painful or so brutal? Well, thankfully, yes, I'd say. There's going to be a certain brutality to it, but I think you could remove something from your life by delegating it to someone else. And I mentioned the example of Instagram, like you're doing the Instagram for two booked up anyway. So we just do a collaborative post. So I've delegated that out of my life and you're helping me out there. It's also like we're hiring a professional can sometimes make a lot of sense. I procrastinated for so many years about my logo for my business and almost I was changing it monthly. (laughs) But about four years ago, I decided no, enough is enough. And I hired a designer to do it all for me. And now I never have to think about my logo or my colors or that square version of your logo. You know, she's done the whole suite of assets for me. And I effectively, in doing that, removed that procrastination trap from my life. And it was one of those decide once moments, which then paid off in the long run and freed up time for the important stuff. You can also do this form of removing and this brings us nicely onto the next step in the process is by deferring something to the future so this is step four where what we're going to do is we're going to record these genuinely good ideas that we've come up with and keep them safe somewhere so when I say defer into the future What are we talking about here? It's procrastination. We're actually procrastinating a task or a project, but we're doing it with strategy and intention. So we're going to become better procrastinators by recording our good ideas somewhere. So in a written journal, in a spreadsheet. Ro, I know you love a good voice note for blog post ideas and that sort of thing. Also, people use a Trello board. I like Trello. That's a card system, but it's on on a desktop app or on a browser app. And those ideas are then safe and they're ready for the future. Then this is where mentioning that Trello board, Trello works on a Kanban system where you've got these cards and they kind of essentially shift from column to column. So you have a big backlog in your first column on the left column, and then you pull in tasks that you're going to do, say, in the week. You pull those in, and then you have a work in progress on tasks that you're doing in the day. And this is something that came up in 4,000 weeks, is that to procrastinate better, you need to limit your work in progress. So you record all those tasks down, but you don't do all of them. You then go on this day, I'm going to limit what my brain is capable of dealing with at one time. So they suggest choosing no more than three tasks in progress per day. And I know this is something that came up in your habits podcast episode, Ro. Um, A really good habit that you can get into is to choose your top three priorities for the day and keep focused on those. 
all the other tasks still live. They'll still live in that backlog. I think this is also the overwhelm of procrastination is this feeling of like, I never get anything done is because you've got all of this stuff in your head. So the other tasks are written down, they're recorded. And then you just add for the day, maximum three tasks into your work in, in progress. And you only add another task into work in progress once you've completed one of those tasks. Or you can also feel free to abandon a task. So it's not like, oh, once you've committed to this task, you have to finish it. If you decide, nope, this is not working, you can abandon the task. That's fine. But that's the only way you get in a new one. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you're procrastinating there, but you're procrastinating better by keeping three tasks in the present and then the rest you are forwarding to tomorrow or a later date in the future, but they're recorded and they're safe. I love this. And I will just say I do use notes in my phone and also I have a Google folder where I have all my like my good ideas that I want to hang on to. Personally, I find Trello is another form of procrastination. I think I could personally spend way too long moving things around and making it look pretty with the perhaps delusion that I'm working hard but actually not doing anything except moving things around on a page that doesn't actually progress my business whatsoever. Can I quickly jump in there just about tech? Because tech can be such a procrastination trap. So, yeah. yeah, let's all be careful of getting too far into the tech. I also love old school. Let's just get a piece of paper and a pen and write down the three things we're going to work on today and then cross them off. And I actually have found particularly with kids, which we'll talk about in a different episode, but in my business, that works really well because it means I've got a visual cue right there in front of me without needing to toggle off the work that I'm doing, which means I can stay very focused on the work I'm doing right now in that work in progress. I remember that Oliver Berkman had a lot of good things to say about this kind of strategy. And he was saying that when he was trying to be hyperproductive, he wouldn't actually get any of his tasks completed because he had just too many things he was trying to do. But now that he limits his work in progress to only a limited, like a very small number, he says that those three tasks actually get done in the day, which boosts his productivity. And I think this, this is really the power of becoming a better procrastinator. You actually get the stuff done that really matters, which leads us nicely on to the next step in the process, Shelley. And I like how you've termed it RAM in the tasks that matter. Oh, yes. So this is where we can afford to get a bit aggressive. You're literally forcing them into your schedule, even if other tasks get neglected, but you've kind of prepared yourself for this, right? And then these important tasks, again, start small. Often these important tasks are big. And I think the idea also of limiting your work in progress is to cut down tasks into smaller chunks so that you focus in on three small tasks in the day that you can logically complete. So if there's something important you want to do, you know, set a time for 30 minutes in your schedule. And it can be even every second day. It can even be once a week. All of that can count as a, like a habit and a rhythm that you're really prioritizing this important thing. And the other thing that they say in the book is start today. <laughs> you can't go, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds great. I'm going to, I'll start that tomorrow. That That is procrastinating. And we've now established these are the important things that you're not going to push into the future. I think what's been quite effective for me that you've helped me with is, so just start. 
So like get some words on a page or get an outline done or some bullet points or something like that. And then you can tell yourself, okay, I'm just going to take a break from this, but at least you've started. And then you, so you take a little break. When you come back to that task, you're just continuing the task. You're not having to start from total scratch. And then you want to share what you're doing consistently. And this is where I've really been challenged to let go of perfectionism and tell people, this is what I'm thinking. This is my rough draft. This is not perfect, but push yourself to share way before, certainly way before it's done and way before you're comfortable with sharing it. With the communication that this is my rough draft, okay? But I've often found that people are like, this is amazing. This is so great. Like, let's move on. Let's do it. Whereas we could have sat and dithered and, um, yeah, I certainly could have and, you know, changed tiny little words which need an edit anyway in the end. Um, and, yeah, so, like, bringing it back to that example of sales page superhero, which I'm thinking of calling the plug-and-play sales page because I'm all about playful mompreneur and that kind of stuff. But that's TBD. But I've accepted I'm not going to launch that in April. But because it matters, I'm going to start small. I'm going to ram it into my schedule once a week. That's all I'm aiming for. And... It's, it feels rather serendipitous, but I came across Amy Hoy's launch for the win. She's recently launched a free resource that will help you to launch a product in 12 weeks. And that feels very spacious to me. I'm like 12 weeks. Yes, I can do that. But yes, it also gives me enough of a boundary, a deadline. So this product is going to launch at the end of July. I'm committing to it in public right here. Okay, people, you all noted that down, right? You heard it here first, and we have a lot of witnesses now, Shelley. So I think that's fabulous. I also think having a plug-and-play sales page, love the name, by the way, with your copywriting prompts is going to help so many of us solopreneurs stop procrastinating about our tech and about our copywriting. So I think we've covered a lot up till now. And I just want to do a quick recap before we move on to the last two steps. So first of all, we've recognized that step one, that we're procrastinating. Then step two, we re-centered on what's important or what matters to us. Step three is to remove any tasks or projects that aren't top priorities. Then step four, we record all our good ideas, our dreams, or any tasks that we can't get done in the short term. And that should leave us with a bit of wriggle room to then fit in the tasks and the projects that do matter. That is, we ram some of them into our schedule. So that's our five steps so far. What is next in our mission to become better procrastinators? Okay, so we've got two more steps left. And step six is then to repeat with relish. I added in the relish because this is the part where you're going to do the work. There's no getting around it. You have now set yourself up so that you're not going to procrastinate. And we've removed those procrastinating traps by trimming your priorities and limiting your work in progress. So the repeat part is all about consistency, commitment to these important tasks that matter. You're going to need to be aware of shiny objects, yeah, those techie things that come through. You're going to really challenge yourself, and this is I am going to challenge myself, to see it through and repeat until complete. 
I, I liked how that ended up rhyming. But I think this is where we're going to just kind of have that consistency, that rhythm of doing the work. And yeah, with relish. So enjoy it. You have chosen this particular path, this particular task or this project with a whole lot of intention and thought if you've followed the process. So enjoy the moments, enjoy what you create, show it off to the world with pride and then get the satisfaction of watching them enjoy it. And this is something that comes up in 4,000 weeks. The fact that we're choosing one thing out of an infinite number of options, simply that at like moment of choice and choosing makes that one thing really special, no matter what it is. And I think that that choice element, that you are actively choosing to do this and by acknowledging that, that is really powerful because it reminds me of one of the key lessons that I took from the book, which was life is for living. And part of that is choosing to do the stuff that lights us up and being excited by that. So talk about the last step for us here, Shelley. Yeah, so very importantly, don't forget this one, is to reflect and review. Again, this is something that Rowena and I do each month when we meet for our Design Your Season sessions. We reflect on the month that's passed and we look at what we have completed, what we have achieved, the lessons that we've learned. And then we look at the things that we haven't completed and maybe procrastinating on. And that's where we can work together to recenter and go, hmm. So I find this a lovely juncture to pause and reflect. And it's one of the important things that I do ram into my calendar because it absolutely matters. If I didn't ram it in there, uh, I would just move swiftly onto the next task and the next project and just running on the treadmill. But this is the point to go and have a look at those projects you've recorded in step four. So you go and see all your great ideas and then go, okay, have I got space now in the month ahead? I've reflected, I've seen what's important for me now and these new ideas now can find their space and their time to shine. Absolutely. This is a great opportunity to celebrate our wins. Celebration is really important because so many of us in a small business or as solo entrepreneurs can, we find that we just move on to the next thing. We don't take the time to reflect and celebrate on what we've done and what we've achieved. And it can be a very powerful thing to pause and it actually helps us maintain momentum. And again, this is one of those counterintuitive ideas. By pausing and slowing down for a moment, we actually maintain more momentum than if we just power on through. So to avoid the unhelpful version of procrastination, we may need to do a little bit of intentional procrastination. And whilst we're reflecting, and we maybe notice ourselves procrastinating, then we start the whole process of the seven R's all over again. So there's this lovely cycle to it. <laughs> so I love that, Shelley, you've created this beautiful seven-step process that has actually got a lovely cycle and let's go with another R word, a lovely rhythm to it oh, as well. Yes. So, Shelley, thank you for sharing your reflections on, again, I'm going with all the R words now, on <laughs> Chapter 4, particularly, of 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals. So, friends, we would love to know which part of this episode stood out for you. It doesn't have to be a major aha moment. Maybe it's just something that you don't want to forget. So, shoot us a reply on our Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter posts for this episode. 
You can find me at Rowena Mabbitt on Instagram. And if you'd like to learn more about how I can support you as a career and life confidence coach, or you want to download my free book, The A to Z of Career and Life Confidence, or read my many blog posts, then head on over to my online home at rowenamabbitt.com. And Shelley, where can our listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter at Shelley T. Smith or sign up for my newsletter at ShellyTonkinsmith.com. Also remember that that's where you can access my PDF with these seven steps together with a blog post that dives a little deeper into some of the topics that we've discussed in today's podcast episode on ShellyTonkinsmith.com. Head on over there and you can download all of that. And if you'd like to learn more about my copywriting services, that's at ShellySmithCreative.com. You can find show notes and a transcript of this episode at twobooktup.com. And that is also where you can sign up for our newsletter and get our 23 for 2023 reading challenge PDF checklist, which is a lot of fun to bring some intention to your reading life. So we'll be back in two weeks time when Rowena is going to do a deeper dive into the five life-changing questions Oliver Berkman shares in his final summary and how they can influence our personal choices. So we look forward to connecting with you then. For now, I'm going to say farewell in Isizulu. Hambagashle, go well. You've been listening to Two Booked Up with me, Rowena Mabbitt. And me, Shelley Tonkin-Smith. Please subscribe or follow Two Booked Up in your podcast player. And if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you'd leave a positive review. Mm-hmm.